Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. This is part two of the NFC East breakdown, as me and Dennis really got into depth on some of these teams. We wanted to give you guys a real full look at uh, look at these four teams here, so we took a little bit longer than we have been lately, so we wanted to split this up into two different episodes. We also will talk about our Draft Nerds re, uh, Startup League. I'm sorry, I was going to say Redraft. Our Startup Dynasty League. It is a super flex, uh, so likely 2QB with five flex spots. Uh, me and Dennis will talk about our draft so far. We're through a little bit here, actually still drafting while we'll be talking. Uh, so it might be some changes and some picks and everything coming, but we want to just break that down, give you guys an idea of how our teams look and the way some of this draft has gone. Uh, so appreciate you guys listening. And, of course, this entire podcast is also brought to you by the Ticks Blitz. They are the official ticket provider of the Pulse Podcasting Network. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Again, guys, make sure to check them out. They do an awesome job. You know, as they talked about in there, there's no booking fees, no extra fees, nothing like that. If you see a ticket on there for anything you guys want to go to, a concert, sporting event, you want to go to Comic-Con, anything you want, you see the ticket price on there, that's what you pay when you get to check out. It's awesome. No extra fees. They, they've got tickets for everything. And then honestly, if there's something that you want to go to and you don't see the tickets on there, email me, fantasyroundtable at yahoo.com, all under case, or you can DM me on Twitter. Twitter, and we will tend to message to them, and they'll get tickets. They'll go out and buy tickets if we know that we have people that want to buy them because that's the kind of business they are. They're awesome. We love them being a, a sponsor on this podcast, and, and, and with the network, it, it's awesome to have them on there. And again, if you guys want to get some money off on your first purchase or all your purchases, use our promo code PULSE, capital P-U-L-S-E. That's right, capital P-U-L-S-E, Pulse, all capitals. Use that. You will get 5% off on any of your tickets. It's awesome, guys. Go out there and use it. And without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Dennis on here to continue talking about the NFC East. And, well, guys, as we were just talking about in the last episode, Dennis is still here with us as we're going to break down the last two teams in the NFC East. Dennis, how you doing here since the last episode we just recorded? I am doing great. I'm killing it on a Saturday morning. Can't- yeah. Can't ask for more. 
I'm right there with you. So as we talked about in the first episode, we broke down the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. And in this one, we are going to start with the third team in the division, the Washington Redskins. They finished 7-9. and nine. Again, started out the season looking really good. Uh, started to falter a little bit toward the midseason there. And then obviously Alex Smith suffered uh, the season-ending, possibly career-ending injury when uh, his knee and leg kind of went ways that it shouldn't. It was a pretty gruesome injury. I know I am not a fan of watching that stuff. Some people love looking at those videos. I I can't understand why, but uh, that stuff really kind of just creeps me out. So I I try to avoid watching those videos, but it sucks to see that happen to such a, what is known, I guess, around the industry and everything is a really good guy. Alex Smith has been praised as the teammate and person that he is. So it sucked to see that happen to him when he was, you know, I I shouldn't say just getting his chance. He's had his chance multiple times, but really kind of been given the the role as being the guy finally for it for a team that actually looked like they believed him instead of uh, having him there and then drafted Patrick Mahomes who we saw he's probably a future Hall of Famer at this point with with the way he looked at his first year um, let's so, not get ahead of ourselves well right? hey I'm right there with you but a lot of people are saying it I think Patrick Mahomes might be in for a huge regression this year as in he'll throw like 35 touchdowns instead of 50 but right. that's that's for our AFC East preview or not AFC East my goodness Matt the the AFC see West preview uh that'll be at a later date when we can talk about Patrick Mahomes for the Redskins their biggest question is much like the rest of this division the quarterback position who do you think is going to be under center and taking the the first snap of the 2019 season for the Redskins well that's a really good question it's not going to be Alex Smith right uh, I I agree you know he su- suffered a pretty gruesome break and he's got a ways to go to, to get back to form. I don't know that, you know, we've talked a little bit about Colt McCoy before, you know, I like him. I, I think he's somebody who kind of got the, the short straw in Cleveland when he was there. I, I felt like, I feel like McCoy can fit a particular type of offense and nobody's ever really tailored an offense to him. And I don't know if John Gruden's or Jay Gruden's offense is, that offense either so well i think he's going to probably get a shot i don't know that uh, he's going to be under center uh you know there's a reason josh johnson was on an aaf uh, roster before he was brought in by the redskins and there's a reason josh johnson has spent most of his nfl career as the the number three guy on on the quarterback depth chart so i don't think josh johnson is the answer either at 31 years old so that leaves free agents and draft picks. I definitely feel that Washington is going to need to be in play for a free agent, but they don't have a ton of cap space. They're only at about, oh, I think $25 million was the number I just looked at. $20 million is what they have in cap space. So they're going to need to bring in one of the second-tier free agent quarterbacks. Who's that going to be? You know, I don't know if it's – if I were them – I would probably look at look for somebody that's fighting to prove that they should be the man. And to me, that guy's Teddy Bridgewater. I think if they brought in Teddy, uh, he knows he's he's coming back from that that terrible knee injury. He's a smart guy. He's shown that he's super resilient. So bring in Teddy, pair him up with Geis, Dachson, and uh, see who the rest of the receiver core shakes out. They can get eight good games out of Jordan Reed. Uh, They're going to need to probably address their second wide receiver position with Crowder as a free agent. Who do I think is going to be there? Man, 
your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I agree with you. I actually do think it'll likely be Colt McCoy. Uh, we obviously saw um, the head coach, Jay Gruden, come out and talk very highly of Colt McCoy last year. Um, not just when he was given the ball to obviously play for Alex Smith, but then even after the injury happened, he talked about how he felt really bad because that was kind of Colt's chance to prove to everybody what he was. Um, and then literally suffered the injury. I think it was the first game he was the starter, and then that's when they had to go and end up getting Josh Johnson. Uh, I think Colt McCoy is going to be given every chance to be the starter when the season starts. Uh, I agree with you on the free agency thing. We both talked about uh, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, in our free agent frenzy episode coming there. I, I do think he'd be a good fit overall. I think he could have very easily come in that offense and do – close to, if not a little bit better than what Alex Smith was able to do last year. And they were a pretty competent offense uh, last year, all things considered, because I think, uh, I mean, in all honesty, they have one of the worst wide receiver cores in the NFL. Their running backs were a mess last year. I do think that'll improve this year, obviously, with the return of Darius Geis. Uh, So I can see Teddy Bridgewater, but um, we've already talked about this. Uh, You know my hot take for this team that I think is going to happen, but I'm going to, no, no, I was going to save it for the draft talk, but I think they're going to end up trading up and getting Kyler Murray. That That's my take on this team. I think they're going to want to make a move. They usually don't trade um, in the draft. They don't try and move up, but I think they're going to try and do something that they think is going to be exciting and get a player they think is going to be a rising star at a position of huge need for this team and really a position that you have to have nowadays in the NFL to succeed. I think they're going to move up and get Kyler Murray, uh, and he is going to be the starter next year. But in case they don't do that, it'll be Colt McCoy. That'd be my guess. Moving on to the free agents, they really don't have a lot of key free agents this year. They've got, in my opinion, one on defense and one on offense uh, going into the year. The defensive player in HaHa Clinton Dix and then their wide receiver, Jamison Crowder. Both are going to be free agents. You also have uh, old man Adrian Peterson. Um, I could see them possibly bringing back Adrian Peterson just based on how good he was last year. And a lot of that, though, I think will depend on how good Darius Geist looks in uh, camp and during the preseason if he looks like he's finally back. Chances are Peterson won't be back. I would imagine they'll likely re-sign Jamison Crowder. Um, He's been a very good slot wide receiver for them. And again, slot wide receivers is just... The, the market is not full of any really good ones. I would say Jamison Crowder is the best out of the top three, which is him, Cole Beasley, and Randall Cobb. So I can see them re-signing him, and I think they should re-sign HaHa Clinton Dix, but I don't know if they will. They've got $20.5 million available in cap space. So knowing that they'll likely try and attack – or well, no, we don't know that they'll likely attack – Tech a quarterback. Uh, do you think that they should re-sign any of these three, or do you think they should just completely pursue Teddy Bridgewater in the free agents, uh, free agent market? I would, I would definitely work to bring back Clinton Dix. Mm-hmm. I think he's a a plus safety veteran, knows the defense, knows how to play. Crowder, I, I think they have a replace. They have two replacements for Crowder uh, that are going to be much cheaper, and Trey Quinn and. Uh, free agent uh, Maurice Harris. So they could bring Harris back on a cheap deal. He he did flash at the end of last season. And Quinn is Quinn. You know, he spent his college career playing across from Cortland Sutton and racking up some big numbers. And while he may have been the last pick in the draft, when he got a chance to play there in Washington, he was, he showed that he belonged. So I don't think they bring Crowder back just because they have a replacement. 
that's going to be substantially cheaper. I don't think they bring Peterson back either. Uh, I think Adrian Peterson kind of showed who he was when he was in New Orleans at this stage of his career. And he's he feels like he's entitled to a spot because of who he who he was. Uh, he I don't think he understands who he is. You know, he, he's going to put up some spot plays and some spot games, but I don't think Peterson is somebody that you, you want to have around. If uh, Geis comes out and gets off to a slow start, you're, you're going to start to hear squawking from Peterson, and it's going to be a problem in the locker room. And I don't know that Jay Gruden has a strong enough team to keep something like that in line. I don't think Adrian Peterson is the answer. I think they'd be perfectly happy uh, with Samaji P. Ryan taking another step, backing up uh, Darius Geis. I, I think Geis is going to be the man there and show why he was such, so highly regarded in rookie drafts a year ago. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I was big on Geis, and, and we'll definitely talk about him here in a little bit in my and Dynasty Risers and Fallers, just to give a, a little bit of a prelude to that because he is definitely on that list for me. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, I, I would love for them to bring back HaHa Clinton Dix. I think he is he's a phenomenal player. I think he'll be very good for that defense to help kind of stabilize them in the back there with Josh Norman, who, I mean, I think Josh Norman's a little overrated, but that might be a hot take in its own. I know a lot of people seem to like him. Um, I, I think that they will bring back Jameson Crowder. As I said, though, I, I like what you said about Trey Quinn. Uh, I think Jameson Crowder is better than Mo Harris. That's just my opinion. I think Trey Quinn um, is likely going to be moved to the outside and be one of those burners out there. I know he's not the biggest of wide receivers, but, I mean, he fits right in there with, with – um, goodness, I just forgot his name. Paul Richardson. Paul Richardson, uh, that's kind of what he does is, is try and burn players on the outside. So he uses that speed. And we don't know if he'll even be back – uh, for the start of the season, dealing with the injuries that he has. So it'll be interesting to see, though, what they do. I would, like I said, personally break back Jameson Crowder. I thought he's been very good, especially in that kind of 5- to 10-yard range uh, in the offense, catching the ball and doing something with it. Their draft picks for the Redskins. So they have five picks, no fourth and no sixth. Uh, they will likely get – no, they will not get a compensation pick. I'm thinking of the wrong team here. Uh, so they've got no fourth-round pick and no f- uh, sixth-round pick. They pick 15 in the draft, and they have five picks. Their biggest needs, obviously, quarterback, wide receiver, edge rushers, and safety. Your thoughts on their draft strategy going into the 2019 draft? Well, I, I think their pursuit of a quarterback is going to depend on who they sign in free agency. I, I don't know that they have the capital to move up from 15 to get a quarterback. Already being down two draft picks, how how far into the future do you want to mortgage your ability to acquire youth to move up and get Kyler Murray? Now, I'm not saying Kyler Murray can't be the guy. I'm just saying that Right now, he is such an outlier when it comes to the quarterback position that if if he's successful, he's going to be the first quarterback like him to be successful and uh, the only quarterback like him to be successful. So, I mean, he's he's small. Yes, he can throw the ball far, and yes, he can throw it relatively accurately uh, against Big 12 defenses. And he's played some big games, and he can 
run. He's very mobile. I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I feel like that's mortgaging of a, a future and betting on a guy to literally change your franchise and you're betting on an outlier to change your franchise. And man, that, that just, it, that makes, that makes me nervous for them. So I think that the, they need to go, go the free agent route, work their cap space, get in position for next year's much deeper class, approach the quarterback position that way. If they bring in somebody like Teddy that can be a plus NFL starter, then great. If not, then let's get through the season. Let's, you know, I don't want to say that they tank, but they're in, they're in probably the worst quarterback situation that I've seen on any team in quite a long time. Yeah. That's saying something when you take into uh, consideration how bad Eli Manning has been playing. <laughs> well, I would say bad quarterback situation, just like what the Cleveland Browns have been for a decade or decade plus until they got Baker Mayfield. So I agree right. with you on that part with the quarterbacks. Um, I think regardless, they're going to end up bringing in a free agent real quick just because right now, even if you just keep Colt McCoy, that's all you've got. And I can't imagine that they're even if they do draft a quarterback like I think they will, um, you're not just going to run in with those two with the injuries they've suffered and everything. Alex Smith, I believe the reports are on him that he won't even be back with the team until at least midseason. So likely he's going to be put on IR and be done for the entire year. They're likely not going to bring him back at least this year. And then at that point you're looking at he's already 34, 35, I think. So now you're looking at him being his 36, 37 season. He's just not going to be able to, I think, come back and and do anything, unfortunately. Like I said, uh, it was a horrible injury, and it sucks to see him him have to go out that way. But I would imagine he's not going to come back and play again. For the draft – you know, I, I've joked about, or I shouldn't say joked, when I said that they should trade up for Kyler Murray, I'm not 100% sure that Kyler Murray might not fall to them in the 15th spot. Uh, he, he, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that are big on him and some that aren't, obviously. I don't know if a team would try and trade up and get him. You've got already talks about Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke, uh, Daniel Jones, all most people think are better than him because he's the proto they're all the prototypical quarterbacks compared to him. So he might fall to them at fifteen. As for mortgaging your future that all depends on them. I, you know, I understand what you're saying uh, with, you know, do you want to give away another first-round pick, two first-round picks to move up? I would imagine they'd have to give up at least one, probably next year's first. But if your grade on him is the best quarterback in the class or second-best quarterback in the class, then why not do it? You know, the one thing I can give the New York Jets a lot of credit on is if you go back and look at their drafts the past couple of years, I believe the past three or four years in a row, they've taken a quarterback, whether in the first or second or third round, because they were trying to find their solution. They finally got it in Sam Darnold. Now they don't have to do that anymore. They have their quarterback. They can now build around him. And that's what you have to do. In my opinion, you draft a quarterback every year until you get your guy. You know, the one thing I can say about the Cleveland Browns, they were doing it every other year. And now they finally have their guy. And all of a sudden, look at how much he has lifted this franchise up. Now, I'm not saying Kyler Murray will be Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying they even have to go get Kyler Murray. He's the person that he's the player I would like to see them go get. If they get Drew Locke, if they get Will Greer, if they get Daniel Jones, any of those guys, if they think he's the guy and he ends up being the guy, it's going to completely change this franchise around. As for the rest of their draft, obviously, wide receiver is a huge need for them. Their wide receiver core is by far, in my opinion, the worst in the NFL. They need to go get a guy. Again, Five picks is not a lot, so you're really going to have to try and figure out how you're going to attack this. Um, 
I would not take one at the 15th pick. Uh, that's just my opinion. I mean, I guess if you get DK Metcalf or Kelvin Harmon falling down to the 15th pick, maybe take them. Uh, but I just think that's going to put a lot of pressure on those wide receivers. Uh, I would try and get guys in possibly the second and third round there. I think that you could easily want, round out your wide receiver core and make it a lot better getting those picks. Uh, and then obviously, again, edge rusher and safety. Very deep at both those positions. I would attack edge rusher with that first pick that they have because you're likely getting one of the elite guys there at 15 um, if they decide not to go the Kyler Murray route, which again, the chances are they probably won't, but I would like to see it happen. Um, and then, you know, just safety, just do what you can. Again, we've just talked about earlier with the Dallas Cowboys in the last episode. Uh, safety is actually fairly deep in the free agency class, so I would not be surprised if they try and attack that with the 20 mil that they have in cap space. Moving on to the Dynasty Risers and Fallers for this team. So your Dynasty Risers and Fallers. Well, because he has nowhere to go but up, you know, obviously I'm going to choose Darius Geis as a riser. Uh, He was on pace to be a a pretty high pick last year. He was the clear number two, in my opinion, after Saquon Barkley coming out in the running back. And then he had that injury and, I can say, honestly, if I was picking at the 102 last year after Geis' injury, uh, I still would have taken Geis at the 102. Agree. Uh, I just think he was he, he's better than, or at that point was still better than some of the guys. Now, Nick Chubb has flashed some real good potential. He's made some big plays. Sony Michelle has flashed some uh, real solid consistency. Uh, on Johnson shown some good, really good things, but I still think I would have taken Geis over them. And so, while potentially Geis might be, they may keep the reins on him a little bit coming out of training camp and into the early part of the regular season, uh-huh. uh, season they are going to need to rely on the running game. And combining him and Chris Thompson, uh, if Thompson can stay healthy, uh, is going to give them the running game that they need while whoever is the quarterback uh, gets comfortable. So I think Geis is definitely a riser. You know, is is it the, is this the year Josh Doxson fills his potential? You know, I remember <laughs> that season coming out. It was Zeke Elliott, and then it was a, a slew of receivers, uh, Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, that everybody expected to be so good. And basically they've all kind of, uh, you know, Doxson's been the best of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. So uh, I could see Doxson uh, stepping up uh, uh, into a low end three uh, or low end two high wide receiver three, uh, in part because right now they don't have a lot of other options. So they're going to have to force feed him some volume. Yeah, so my dynasty riser is Darius Geis as well. Um, I agree with you. There really is nowhere else for him to go butt up at this point. Uh, For me, he was clearly the number two back in this class, like you were just saying. I I mean, I had him really in the same tier as Saquon Barkley. Now, don't get me wrong, Saquon Barkley is a beast. He was by far the best back of this class and looks like to be one of the possibly best backs to ever play in the NFL with as much as he did last year and how good he looked last year. Uh, But Darius, guys, I did not think was that much of a fall off from Barkley, and I thought he was much better than everybody else in the class. So I I was right there with you, regardless of the injury or not. I would have taken him one-two. I think 
you know, at f- when the when the rookie drafts and everything were first coming out, there was no real consensus one two. Everybody was kind of going different ways, but I think toward the end, he really kind of became the one two, uh, just based on what he showed. And and I agree with you. I think he's in for a huge role this season. Um, you know, he can catch the ball. He's a very good runner. Um, I do think what's going to help him too is the fact that Chris Thompson is not very good at staying healthy. You know, uh, durability. Thy name is not Chris Thompson. He is gets injured a lot, then gets taken off the field. So if that happens, Darius Geis likely will then be getting the receiving work as well as all the rushing work. Uh, so I think Geis is in for a big year uh, this year. I hope I hope you're right on Josh Doxson. You know, I liked him coming out of TCU. Um, I thought he was going to be a really good wide receiver. Just hasn't been able to get it done. Some of that might have been due to the quarterback struggles leading up to this year where I thought Alex Smith looked yeah, no, Alex Smith was good, but the problem is Alex Smith's game is not what Josh Doxson does, and I think that kind of hurt Josh Doxson as well, which is exactly why I want to see Kyler Murray come here, because I think Kyler Murray could make Josh Doxson into a very relevant wide receiver. Um, as for my dynasty fallers, I, I really don't have any at this point in time on the roster, just based on there's too many questions that need to be answered before we can really look at this roster and see if we think anybody's going to fall off, you know? The easy answer is saying Josh Doxson or any of these other wide receivers, but truth of the matter is we don't even know who's going to play quarterback at this point, so we can't really say if any of these wide receivers are going to fall off or get boosted possibly back up with the return of a good quarterback. So for me, I think it's too early to tell on the dynasty fallers. Do you have any dynasty fallers that you'd like to add, or are you kind of in the same boat? I'm in the same boat. It's the the team is a mystery at this point until the until we know exactly what they're going to do at quarterback. You, you know, I suppose one wild card I could see at quarterback for them uh, you know, might be Andy Dalton. Interesting. I, I don't know that trading for Dalton and bringing him in. Uh, he's familiar with Gruden's offense because he played in it in Cincinnati. Uh-huh. Uh, I think at some point Cincinnati is going to have to admit that Dalton is only going to get them so far. And, and I suppose part of that issue is that Cincinnati is only going to go so far just because of how that team is ran. Right. And so they, they could potentially be ready to move on from Dalton after eight or nine years here now, seven, eight years, whatever it is. They got a new coach. He might want to bring in his own guy. Uh, does Dalton's, does Dalton fit Taylor's offense? Uh, I haven't dug too deep into that yet to see, but it could be an opportunity for them to make a break and and uh, Jay Gruden to bring in somebody that's familiar with how he runs his his offense. So if that's the case, I could see there potentially you know Josh Doxson being uh, a, uh, Andy Dalton's new AJ Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could, that could be something. Well, yeah, yeah just- as far as who's going to fall. God knows, it's a, the team is a hot mess right now. Right. Well, just to bring this full circle real quick, then, since you brought up Andy Dalton, there have been a couple people I've seen uh, predicting not necessarily that trade, but the talks about the Bengals possibly taking Kyler Murray as their quarterback. So if that were to happen, I could really see the Andy Dalton trade, and I think that would be a really good trade for the Redskins to make if the Bengals were to actually go out and get Kyler Murray to be their future quarterback. Uh, it would, I think, again, great move and a good call on your part to see Andy Dalton get moved to the Redskins. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? 
Well, I've done the research and podcastinsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com and we hope to hear from you soon and now on to the worst team in the division last year the new york giants they finished 5 and 11 uh, just had a ton of issues i think the only thing that went right for them last year was saquon barkley offensive line was horrible their wide receivers weren't doing that good obviously Eli was a huge disappointment in the fact that uh you know Odell Beckham through most of the year had uh, two longer passes than than Eli had even I think almost attempted at that point he had two touchdown passes of over I think it was 40 or 50 yards and Eli had not had one the entire or at least up until that point in that season so just a bad season all around for the New York Giants um and the big question again sticking with the theme of this division right now is the quarterback do you trust Eli Manning next year, or would you rather have a rookie quarterback uh, taking the snaps under center for the New York Giants? I would rather have a rookie quarterback, and it's nothing to do with trust. I think that uh, Eli is just old and bad. He's run out of gas, and while I think he's been great as the face of the team, he's done and said all the right things, and he's won two Super Bowls. I think the tank is empty. You've got too much talent on that team at the other positions in in Barkley and Ingram and OBJ and Sterling Shepard to let it go to waste for another year with the type of quarterback play you've been getting from Eli Manning. To me, that's that's a damn shame to to waste those years. You never know when a a terrible injury is going to happen. And if you waste another year with Saquon Barkley playing with Eli Manning, and let's say he has, like right now, ACLs really aren't the, the, they're not the the injury that uh, ruins careers anymore. anymore. From a running back perspective now, it's the Achilles or the patella tendon. Those are the ones that are really the career killers for running backs. Uh And if Barkley was to suffer an injury like that, uh, and he wastes, he wasted his first two years with Eli Manning playing at this level. That would just be that would just be a damn shame. And I disagree with you. Uh, so with Eli Manning, I agree he was not at all the quarterback that we expected him to be last year. A lot of people were still fairly high on him, like oh, you know, he's still got Odell, he's got Evan Ingram, he's got Sterling Shepard, and now he's bringing in Saquon Barkley. He should be all right. The offensive line was horrible. And in my opinion, the biggest reason why he was not good last year, he still had a 92.4 quarterback rating, which is right up there with some of the best ones he's had in his career. In fact, he's only had uh, two years better than that at 93.6 and 93.1, both of the year, uh, some of his best statistical years. But in one year, finished eight and eight and the other year, finished 11 and five in 2016. Um, 
He threw for 4,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. So for me, I think it just goes back to Eli Manning was fairly decent all year long. Now, I'm not saying he was an elite quarterback, but I still think he's in that middle tier, possibly bottom tier of the tier two quarterbacks. I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people are saying he is. I think it's all just the offensive line. We saw Evan Ingram wasn't healthy all year long. I don't even know what happened to Sterling Shepard, but he was practically a ghost this season. We saw Odell show up and look really good at times, but I think some of the drama he was doing causing really himself and the team off the field and then whatever happened at the end of the year where he was on the report, off the report, not playing, said he was going to play, then he doesn't play over a bruise in his leg. I don't know. The, the, the team just looked bad all around, I think mostly due to just the drama and how bad that offensive line was, not Eli. For me, I would keep Eli out there because I honestly am not 100% sold that they're going to go quarterback in the draft like everybody else is. Everybody is sold that they're going to take a quarterback with their first pick there at uh, number six, and they're going to take Dwayne Haskins, or they're going to take Drew Locker, one of these guys, and I'm not sure that they do. So I'd like to ask real quick, because you said all rookies. Well, well let's, let's put that to the test here. I would imagine that you're taking Dwayne Haskins over Eli Manning all day long. I, I guess I, I I think that the quarterbacks in this class, for the most part, could use some seasoning. I think Haskins is probably one of the closest to pro ready. I think Kyler Murray's game is so different than the pro game that having him sit doesn't do really any good because his game is always going to be different. So if you draft Murray, I think you play Murray. Haskins is is very pro style when it comes to his quarterback play. So getting some time uh, on the bench to learn would probably be good. I don't know. I think for me, maybe it's Kyle Laletta, which wasn't one of the options there. He's been there for a year. Uh-huh. They thought enough of him to draft him. So maybe you let Laletta play some games and see what happens. I suppose let Eli start the season, but don't be afraid to give him the hook. Oh, I agree with you on that. And I think last year that was the issue was when he played bad, they didn't give him the hook. It's almost like they they said, look, we know Ben McAdoo broke your streak, so we're never going to sit you again until you retire or die out there. Well, see, my thing is, and the one thing I'd ask about Kyle Laletta, because I, I would have thought the same thing last year, but then they didn't do it. And, and I don't know if it was just that. I mean, a lot of people were saying that about the, the streak with Ben McAdoo, and, and I could see that. Um, but I would imagine toward the end there, they would have at least pulled Eli at halftime in some of those games when he was playing really bad and put Kyle Laletta in. So my fear with Laletta is maybe they ended up seeing stuff in practice and everything and thinking, you know what, this guy's just not the guy. We cannot count on him. Uh, so that's what I was gonna I was gonna ask if maybe some of these you know if they were to draft a Drew Lock, Daniel Jones, Will Greer, would you really take any of those guys over Eli? But it seems like you're really if, if unless they take Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins, you would possibly if they take a quarterback, uh, sit them behind Eli until you even if it's you know it's week five, week six. If Eli's just so horrible that you guys can't do anything, maybe then switch in and put in your rookie quarterback. Yeah, I, I think with this class that would be the way to go. Yeah, and see then, in all honesty, that kind of leads uh, lends credence to what I was saying. And that I honestly, would I love Dwayne Haskins to go to the Giants? I would. I'm obviously a huge Buckeyes fan. I think that would be great for him 
not just uh, for his career, but I think for his development, to be able to go in there and you already have a guy like Saquon Barkley in the backfield with you, and then you have Odell and Evan Ingram. You know, I don't even know what to think of Sterling Shepard anymore. I loved him coming out. I thought he was going to be very good, and he's just really kind of disappointed in the big spots. Uh, but having that kind of team around you, at least weapons-wise, would be really good for Haskins. But they need to improve that offensive line, and so that's where I really think they're going to go in the draft. We'll talk more draft discussion here in a minute free agents they really only have two big name free agents in my opinion and both are on the defensive side of the ball Landon Collins and Connor Barwin they have 27.4 million available I would think that they would do everything they can to lock up Landon Collins he's likely going to be one of the better backs here in free agency but it seems like some of the reports that I read at least that they are not looking to resign him or there has been no talks uh, yet between him and the team, which again is a little bit insane to me because it's not exactly like they're loaded back there at the safety position. I mean, they have him, uh, you know, Curtis Riley, Michael Thomas, and uh, I think, uh, shoot, uh, Sean Chandler. I believe. Yeah, Sean Chandler is the other guy. And, you know, none of those guys, if I'm a wide receiver, strike fear in me, but you know who does the landing Collins. So I'm a little surprised that they haven't tried working out a deal to get him. Um, again, I know it is a deep safety market, but he is by far the best safety on the market, in my opinion. Your thoughts on their two real kind of key free agents and, and your thoughts on if they should re-sign either of them or let them both go. We've seen how Gettleman uh, manages his team. You know, Josh Norman was a coming off arguably his best year, and they franchise tagged him. I think Gettleman was the GM down in Carolina then. Yes, he was. And, uh, and they weren't getting where they needed to go, and they literally they just pulled the, pulled the franchise tag off of him and said, see you later. And so I think Gettleman has a view on how this team is going to be built and where Landon Collins fits, Collins fits, and that's all he's going to be willing to pay. So – they were a very middle-of-the-road defense last year with Landon Collins. Mm-hmm. So are they going to go from 15 or 16 up to top 12 with uh, if they keep Collins? Let's see, where were they? Overall, last year, they were the 23rd-ranked defense okay. overall. So are they going to move up if they keep Landon Collins? I mean, they can't go – they can't get much worse. Right. So why don't they save that money and, and – Put it on some, put it somewhere more affordable. Uh, what was their cap space? Twenty-seven million. So they're not in really good uh, cap cap situation. Right. They, they need to make some things and spending it on a safety. Uh, I don't know that that's the way they're going to go. Would I would I do it? Well, they have uh, they pick it. See six. Six. Yes. Yeah, six. They have ten draft picks total with an extra fourth, an extra fifth. And two extra sevens. They're going to have to spend some money on, on the draft picks they bring in. And I think Gettleman, um, much like John Dorsey, thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Yeah, well, I think John Dorsey is smarter than everybody else. Dave Gettleman, not so much. It's just my opinion. But uh, on their free agency 
stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I would personally sign Landon Collins because I think he's just that good of uh, of a safety, and you need kind of that corner cornerstone guy back there. I mean, again, I, my brother is a huge Carolina Panthers fan, so I remember some of that stuff with Gettleman and Norman. I believe a lot of it was just the fact that those two did not like each other, and there was a lot of kind of back and forth in the media about that, and Norman wanting to get paid a lot more money or the money that he felt he was worth, and obviously Gettleman and the Panthers did not think he was worth, and I think that was what kind of led uh, to to kind of their falling out and why they ended up just pulling the franchise tag off of him and everything. Uh, based, based, or really is in what what happened. That's at least that's what I remember. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what went down. Um, you know, their their needs are offensive tackle, obviously quarterback, which we've touched on here a little bit, cornerback, linebacker, and edge. Um, and looking at this free agency class again, they don't have a whole lot of money. Twenty seven million is nothing to sneeze at, but they don't have as much as some of the other teams. Uh, but there's really nothing offensive line that that really makes me that excited they obviously overpaid for nate uh solder last year and that contract's going to hurt them for the next couple years uh, but you know ryan khalil mike lapati andrew levitri jared Veldier, roger staffold james carpenter none of those guys are you know big name guys that i would feel bring feel comfortable bringing in and kind of shoring up my offensive line so i, I would imagine they'll end up attacking that in the draft um, and exactly why I keep talking about them possibly going offensive tackle or line at six. You know, linebackers, Brandon Marshall, Derek Morgan, K.J. Wright, Thomas Davis. So they've got guys out there linebacker-wise at least that they could possibly bring in in free agency and do something with. So I think that, you know, defensively it would be great for them to attack them in, in free agency with their defensive positions, cornerback, linebacker, edge rushers, and then worry about obviously offensive tackle and quarterback in the draft. As you touched on, they have 10 draft picks. They pick number six. They have two in the fourth, which is theirs in New Orleans, two in the fifth, theirs in the 49ers, and three in the seventh. There's the Rams and the Vikings. You're sitting there at the sixth pick. You're Dave. You're, you, New York Giants was John Mara, right? John Mara walks up. He's like, look, we don't like Dave Gettleman anymore, Mr. Dennis Bennett. We've been following you at the Fantasy Football Roundtable. You give a lot of great analysis. You are now the general manager of the New York Giants. Who are you taking at number six? You're on the clock. You have done. Da, da, da. Oh, I, I actually forgot how the music goes. Dang it. I was da, gonna, da, 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 da. Well, yeah, we'll just do the ESPN one. There you go. You're up. The clock's ticking. You've got to submit your pick to Commissioner Goodell. Who are you taking at the sixth pick for the Giants? Well, I'm going to hope that somebody behind me uh, got antsy about me potentially taking a quarterback and traded up uh, in front of me which allowed uh, Alabama offensive tackle Jonah Williams to fall to me at six. Okay. Uh, I, I think bringing in Williams is they need, they need to keep improving their offensive line. They drafted Will Hernandez last year. You know, potentially uh, Nate Solder could return to form this year uh, and show that last year was kind of uh, an outlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they, were, if they were able to let – if Jonah Williams dropped to them at six – I think that would be great. Cody Ford, the uh, offensive guard out of Oklahoma, might be a little bit of a reach at six, but I think that's really their biggest pressing need is the offensive line. And so to grab one of them, uh, one of those two in the first round, could really get the franchise back on ta- track. And then with the second round pick, to go ahead and grab another offensive lineman, Bolster the position. Don't 
it, it's it's clearly your biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. You have ten picks, so you can build some depth. So at your biggest position of need, as long as it's not a big reach, take that position of need. So Ford or Williams in the first, to me, makes perfect sense. Then maybe turn around, grab somebody like uh, maybe Dalton Risner out of Kansas State uh, in the second round at number 37. Watching him and some of the senior bowl practices, he was he was just a, a beast and and just really showed that he uh, lives to play offensive line. If you start off your draft with that and then you start adding value and depth in the third round and you've got those three extra picks, uh, that could really that might the downside of it is is it might cause Eli Manning to play for three or four more years. But I suppose if he's performing, does it really matter how long he, he plays? Yeah, and see, again, that, that keeps going back to, to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode and why I would just keep going with Eli, because I think if you are able to improve that offensive line like you were just talking about, I think Eli is going to, again, go back to being even more serviceable than he has been. He's He just needs some time in the pocket. Again, I'm I'm a huge Odell fan and Barkley fan. I have owned both of them on a lot of fantasy teams because I, I like both of them so much. So I was watching some Giants games throughout the year last year, and it was just – ridiculous how many times it is almost as soon as Eli Manning said hut that there was a players in the backfield getting ready to sack him he had no time to do anything and I think if they are able to improve that offensive line uh he'll come he'll come a long way and continue moving forward I agree with you uh you know Nate Solder could take a step forward he'll need to because they're paying him a lot of money to be a top end left tackle and I'm not quite sure that he's there anymore I, I still think he's a chance to be decent um but after what we saw last year it was not good I liked Will Hernandez I like the pick I think he's gonna be just fine um I think it was just kind of a it, it was his rookie season you gotta he wasn't horrible but he wasn't great give him some time to kind of improve I, I would do the same thing and that's what I've been saying in, uh for the past couple of weeks now and I'm, I'm really interested to see if they will end up doing it if they'll take a quarterback or they'll go offensive tackle the one thing about Gettleman is he likes to make a splash you know a lot of people last year thought easy pick he's going Sam Darnold and he went Saquon Barkley so we'll see what happens with the draft I think they're going to be one of the more interesting picks here uh, in the first round because their pick could really kind of swing the draft one way or another I mean I really could see if they don't take Dwayne Haskins possibly the Jaguars jumping on him or then all of a sudden you might see a couple teams trying to trade up to get him or Kyler Murray or something like that but I think the Giants uh, depending on what they do assuming nobody jumps them to get a quarterback could really kind of swing this draft one way or another your dynasty risers and fallers on this uh, this roster. For me, it's the same person. It's Evan Ingram. And it's just because I don't really know what Evan Ingram is anymore. Uh, we obviously saw him have an amazing rookie season, but I think a lot of that came down to the fact that everybody else on that receiving core was hurt. Odell was out. Sterling Shepard was dealing with injuries. They obviously didn't have Corey Latimer or uh, Corey Coleman, who uh, are both there now, but I think both are actually going to be free agents. Uh, they didn't have these guys, or Cody Lattimore. I'm sorry, I said Corey Lattimore, didn't I? Uh, they didn't have those guys then. The wide receiver core was just bad, and so Eli Manning was having to rely on Evan Ingram on almost every single play this past year. I know he dealt with injuries uh, throughout most of the season, but even when he came back, I, I, all I can remember is him having like one good game. It just it looked lost out there. Uh, so for me, he's someone I think could go back up. Uh, to what he was that rookie season, or possibly even drop down to wor- worse than what he was last year. Uh, do you have any risers or fallers on this roster? 
Well, my riser is going to be predicated on the Giants fixing their offensive line. You know, last year, Sterling Shepard caught 66 passes. Saquon Barkley caught 91. Jeez. So being that Barkley was catching a bunch of dump-off passes, I, you know, Eli just had to get rid of the ball. He's he's under a lot of pressure. I could see, see uh, Shepard stepping up, you know, catching another 15 passes, which is going to move him up up the ranks, you know, into a high wide receiver too, I think. You know, he's a good wide receiver, and he's a great complement to Odell. And when necessary, he can step up and be the number one guy. The, the big difference between him and Odell is Odell can be the number one guy for 16 games. Sterling Shepard can't be the number one guy for 16 games. Uh, their, their game is just different. But if Odell's out for a couple games, Shepard can carry the load. And being able to, Eli being able to get the time he needs and not having to dump it off to allow Shepard to get 10 or 15 yards down the field and get open and Odell to get down the field to get open or Odell to, if he has the time for Odell to clear some space for Shepard, those are all things that would really give a boost to Sterling Shepard's game. All right. Well. That right there is going to do... Oh, wait, no. we got to get our predictions, man. I almost forgot all about that. So, very early, very, 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 very early, early, early predictions for how you think the NFC East could shake out in 2019. I think it's going to be pretty similar to last year from the standpoint of only one team from this division. Uh, let's see, two teams made it this yeah. year. I think, uh, I think it's going to end up with just one team being able to get into the playoffs. I think Dallas has the more well-rounded team, and if they stay healthy, they're going to win the division. I could see them coming in with 12 wins. Uh, you know, Dak's game, I predicted, is going to take the next step. You got Cooper for the full year, uh, calling for Zeke to be the number one. So I, I think Dallas could win 12 or 13 games this year. And put Philadelphia in second. They're going to be uh, a full a full year of healthy Wentz. I think they're due for that. Uh, the downside is the the piecemeal uh, running game and no clear cut number one wide receiver. Alshon Jeffrey is good, but honestly, he's a low end one, mid to high two, more likely the mid to high two, and so that sort of that that hampers what. Uh, Wentz can do a little bit. I think the Giants, uh, I'm going to call for uh, improvements to the offensive line, and but put the Giants and uh, the Eagles in that 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight range, keeping them out of the playoffs. Washington's going to end up in fourth in the division, in, in part because they, they, they're not in terrific cap position, and it's hard to come back when you have – a big dollar quarterback take such a serious injury um, when you have other needs and now you've got money tied up. Uh, you don't have a lot of draft picks. Um, so uh, the Redskins will come in and forth in the division. 
Yeah, so I agree with you on uh, the Redskins-Giants part. I think those two are going to swap places uh, this year. Giants finishing third, Redskins finishing fourth, at least right now. Obviously, we uh, reserve the right to change our predictions uh, once we do a uh, – once the preseason gets here and we're able to do previews for the 2019 season, uh, then we'll obviously have a fairly good idea of who the Redskins quarterback will be. But as looking at the rosters currently stated, I think the Giants will obviously uh, be better than the Redskins next year. Um, I think the Eagles are going to end up coming back and win in this division as I talked about in the previous podcast uh, they they just have a really good roster and it's a lot deeper than a lot of people are giving them credit for they don't have many needs and even the needs they have they have young players that they've drafted over the past couple years that could step up and take over those starter roles um, in Dallas I'm just worried about Dak and Cooper um, and especially if Zeke ends up holding out to get this better contract as he's talked about I think that'll really throw a wrench into this team even if he only holds out for three or four weeks you know if they start well I can't say if they start out bad because they were pretty bad last year and they ended up turning it around but I, I think it's going to be a little bit harder to do this year just based on the fact that uh, teams now have a tape of how you were running your offense with Cooper and Dak that could change with bringing in Kellen Moore um, but I'm just trusting in the Eagles for the consistency that they've shown over the past couple of years uh, give me the Eagles to win the division I do think the Cowboys will be in it to possibly fight for the second NFC playoff car, uh, wild card spot or maybe even the first one um, you know too early to say whether or not they'll get it but I do think they'll still be in the fight for that I don't think they're going to drop below 500 or anything like that um, so that will do it for our NFC East uh, talk here today. Before we close out the podcast, I just want to touch on our Dynasty Nerds draft. So uh, you obviously write for Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I don't, but you brought me into this league uh, with a lot of the uh, experts and writers for the Dynasty Nerds group. Uh, and we are doing a startup right now. Uh, it's a dynasty league, uh, two QB super flex league, pretty much, or it is a super flex league, but that's technically uh, most people consider it a two QB league. Um, I actually don't know. This is how bad I have been about paying attention to some of the stuff that they've been talking about. I actually don't even know how many flexes we're doing and everything. So you can answer that question here for me in a minute. Uh, but we are through. What did we just finish? The ninth round, I believe, or we're in the ninth round, I believe, is what I just saw. On my phone, blowing up here as we were talking. So yeah. we're in we're in the ninth round. Uh, obviously, I really want to come back and go over this draft in more detail here once it finishes. But I just kind of want to get. So you're actually about to be on the on the clock here. We're at pick five. You're pick seven. Uh, so maybe we'll get uh, a live pick in here as, as you're going. But I just kind of want to get your opinion on your your the first start of your draft here. So you've obviously gone through eight pick or yeah eight picks. Uh, just kind of give us your eight players right now and your thoughts on your team. Well, we did a Kentucky Derby to choose draft position, and I selected the 107 to start. My my intent going in was to get uh, – I was aiming for New Hopkins in the first and uh, Deshaun Watson in the third was really my strategy. I was pretty bummed when Nuke went 106. Mm-hmm. So, so far, in the, and then somebody took Watson in the second, so that would have screwed it up anyways. Um, so far, my first round pick, uh, I went Alvin Kamara at 107, Mike Evans at 206, Carrion Johnson at 307, uh, T.Y. Hilton at 406, uh, and Matt Ryan in the fifth, uh, sixth, I think it is, Phil Rivers in the seventh, and then, uh, one of the guys I'm big on, I went ahead and took in the, actually it was the se- uh, sixth round, in the seventh round, I, I took Rashad Penny. Yeah. 
I'm big. I'm big on Rashad Penny this year. I've actually traded for him in a couple other leagues. The hard part for me there is last year I was big on Chris Carson. I, I and I so I like Chris Carson, but when I watched Penny play last year, when he got his opportunity, guy is a dynamic runner, and I probably I I might have been able to wait another round, maybe two rounds. Um, but I just decided I was going to go get my guy. Uh-huh. I don't really like how this draft is shaking out. Uh, my my eighth round pick, I, I chose uh, rookie draft pick number 107. So I have the seventh pick in in the rookie draft. Mm-hmm. Now, as I say that out loud, I hope that doesn't. Uh, uh, I hope I don't end up feeling the same about my rookie draft <laughs> as I do this draft here. Yeah, pretty solid. I went with a couple veterans at quarterback in. Uh, Ryan and and Rivers. Ryan was uh, the QB two last year in Dynasty. You know he's getting a new offensive coordinator, but it's somebody he's worked with before. Uh, he finished, I think, seventh and fifteenth or seventh and twelfth in his two previous years under Dirk Cutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like that they have uh, that he's in a position to have have a good year still. Always been a Philip Rivers fan when it comes to uh, the way he plays. You know, he just he, he he likes to get out there and and fight and talk trash without swear words. He's kind of hilarious to watch. So I, I felt like grabbing a couple veterans. I'm going to look at the at some young quarterbacks later in the draft and see if maybe there's some opportunity there. I do have a tight end I really like, and I, I've de- debated the last couple rounds on a young tight end that. I've been that I've got a number of shares of. I've, I've tried to trade for when I can, uh, and that's Chris Herndon. I, I almost went earlier, but with the Jets having a new coaching staff, I was a little bit nervous if he's going to be able to build on last year or not. But he showed a lot of talent, uh-huh. and so my hope is is at some point over the next couple rounds, uh, Herndon will be available to me, and I grab him. If not, there's some veterans uh, there that, uh, you know, will suffice. It, it's dynasty, so even if I hate this team by the end of the draft, uh, I'm going to have years to rebuild it in uh, in a fashion that I see fit. So, right. How about you? How's your team looking? I mean, I, I like my team for the most part. Real quick on the Herndon thing, uh, it's going to be interesting because he's someone I was targeting as well. So it's going to be interesting to see now, I guess, which one of us makes a move first for him. <laughs> Either I take it in my next pick or you're well, going to no, take it uh, at the turn. I'll, no. I'll put it to you this way, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Um, I don't, I, I didn't, I'm the same way as you. I'm not planning on looking at taking him for probably the next couple rounds of course what sucks for me is that so i'm in the kentucky derby styles you're talking about i picked a 112 because i wanted the turn um it feels like for me this year i would much rather be on one of the turns than in the middle where in the past i've always kind of wanted to be in the middle or at the front end of drafts because i want to be able to get my guys with one of those first picks or be in the middle so i kind of see the runs uh but this year and this one like you said it's a dynasty i wanted to try something different uh, so I went with the 112 because I was like, you know what? I just I feel like I want to build my team differently, and I have. Uh, I have taken guys that I have never expected to take. And by the way, you are now up on the clock. Um, so no, I was just gonna. I just was thought it was. I thought you actually had already drafted Herndon when you started talking about it. So I was looking through my queue really quick because I have him in there uh, because he is 
And, you know, you just touched on really what's left at the tight end position of the draft. He's the most exciting player left. You've got a lot of veterans there, um, but nobody that really excites you like Chris Herndon. So, now I'll be honest with you. He's not going to be one of my next two picks, um, but he will be picked by me here soon if you don't take him in the next couple rounds because I do need a tight end as well. That's the one position I'm lacking. So, again, I picked at the, uh, the 112 spot, and this is the one – regret that I have in that I took Dalvin Cook at 12. Um, so unfortunately, as you were talking about, Nuke went pretty early. A lot of the, I, I figured the top of the draft would have gone the way they did, except for Patrick Mahomes. So Mahomes went two. Again, this is a two QB league. Uh, so you have to need to have two. You don't have to have two, but you should have two with it being a super flex. I keep saying two QB is a super flex. So you don't have to play a quarterback at that super flex spot, but uh, you can. And a lot of people will because they're going to get you the most points every week. So Patrick Mahomes going at two surprised me a little bit, but not that surprising. But I was hoping Devontae Adams, Odell, Juju, or Michael Thomas would fall to me. I was thinking, you know what, at 112, someone's going to go. I thought it was going to be heavy running back, and one of those guys would fall, or possibly two of them, and none of them did. And it kind of threw me for a minute, and I was like, well, son of a gun, you know, because I really wanted Juju. I was hoping that he would fall to me after Odell went and Devontae Adams. Those were the three I was really targeting. Um, and since all those went in front of me, I ended up taking Dalvin Cook, and then I took Tyreek Hill, which I'm fine with Tyreek Hill. My regret is I wanted Nick Chubb, and I wasn't sure if he'd fall back to me. I should have known he wouldn't have. Um, and so I should have just taken him at 112 because that's who I really wanted. Uh, but I, I just wasn't sure, and so I just kind of took Dalvin Cook because he's got the upside in the receiving game. Uh, so I thought he'd probably bring me a little bit more points there. And now that's that's really my one regret. Um, in the third round, I ended up taking Darius Geis and Baker Mayfield. Um, the only reason I took Geis was because Kittle literally got sniped by the same motherfuckers. I'm sorry, guys, for the language because <laughs> that pissed me off. Uh, they both they sniped me on Juju and they sniped me on Kittle because that's who I wanted there um, but I took guys just based on the upside and I wanted a running back and then I I, I had all along we talked about because I know you were saying Baker was kind of a guy you were targeting there too uh, Baker was the one guy that I wanted to make sure I got at that turn I was hoping that he would fall um, because not a lot of quarterbacks had gone at that point again with it being a, a super flex league I thought a lot more would have gone by the time it got back to me you just had a uh, Mahomes, Watson, who I know you were talking, you were targeting in the third round. Then we had Luck um, and Aaron Rodgers all go, and then I ended up taking Baker, which, you know, there were better quarterbacks on the board for sure, but I just, I mean, everybody who listens, and I know you know how big of a fan I am of Baker, and, and as you were talking about with Penny being your guy, Baker's my guy. I wanted to go and get him, um, and then I followed them up in the fifth round with Jarvis Landry, just in the same kind of uh, – uh, strategy you were talking about in pairing uh nuke and watson together i wanted to pair somebody with baker so i took jarvis and then i ended up taking the 1.2 uh in the draft or was it one three i can't remember i think it was one three actually because someone took the one two uh I took the one three and then in round seven and eight i took tyler boyd and the one seven i think uh so that's kind of where i was going i'm, I'm trying to get a little bit of of depth while also grabbing some of these rookie picks because uh, as again anybody who's listened to the podcast here recently knows my opinions on this draft class I think it's going to be uh, very deep with a lot of talent uh, there's a lot of guys that I like so I'm trying to get those guys in so you know again my roster ended up is ended up right now as Baker uh, Cook Geis um, goodness I just forgot my wide receivers Jarvis Landry Tyree Kill and Tyler Boyd so those are my guys right now. Obviously, you just picked Christian Kirk, I saw, as that came across the board. So that gives you another wide receiver, and then it'll be 
here to me soon. So just to kind of give them a a recap real quick, all of a sudden your roster is not pulling up for me anymore. I was going to try and read off your roster one more time. There we go. So you so you already filled out your quarterbacks, which is good because that's one thing I'm lacking now big time. Is I'm, You've got Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers, Alvin Kamara, Carrion Johnson, Rashad Penny, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, and Christian Kirk. So I think your team is very well balanced right now. And like I said, really all you need is that tight end, which if you get Chris Herndon in the next round, you know, I think you've got a really solid starting lineup uh, compared to me where I haven't even grabbed my second quarterback yet, and it's there's really not, nothing left. So I'm not going to well, be – go ahead. The setup of this league, it's, it's super flex, and then you start one running back, two wide receivers, one tight end, and five flex. Right. So it, it's very flex heavy. So you can be very, you can be, I guess for lack of a better word, flexible with who's in your starting lineup. So if right, you go right. wide receiver heavy, or if you go running back heavy, you're not going to be real limited by the number of guys you can start. You know, you can start five running backs, or you can start six wide receivers, or you can start three tight ends. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of configurations you can do there. I actually, in uh, round five, when I took my first quarterback, after missing out on the the Nuke and Watson combination, I was targeting Jameis Winston to pair with Mike Evans. Uh So Winston went at 5.04, and so that's when I ended up going Matt Ryan at uh, 5.07. Uh In part, I I looked at, I really considered Drew Brees there. Uh, you know, I have Kamara who catches a lot of passes. And so I, I, I consider it Breeze. But as I watched the season go on last year, um, one of the things that happened in New Orleans was they started to go a little more run heavy. And I think as the as your quarterbacks get older, you, you, you see it in New England where, you know, Brady, there's still this perception of him as this great passing quarterback. But a lot more of his passes are short, and a lot more of the plays are runs, depending on, uh, you know, the game. Mm-hmm. And you see it uh, in New York with Manning. Yeah, he got a lot of pressure, but 91 passes to the running back. I ended up deciding to go with Ryan because I felt with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Mohamed Sanu, and their offense in general, that they were going to be more consistent and putting up quarterback points than some of the other options there. Yeah, see, I think that, like, a, and I agree with you on the the flexing uh, thing. Obviously, you can build your team around, um, which is one of the cool things that we actually had this league last year, and we decided to, due to some owner issues here and there, we decided to kind of break it down and restart it back up and, and do a new startup. Uh, so with me, though, I think the one thing that hurts me is the fact that I don't have that other quarterback. Because, um, like I said, yeah, you can you can build your roster and flex out all kinds of wide receivers and running backs however you want, but you need to have those two quarterbacks. And right now, I mean, my choices, I think I just looked at it, was like Andy Dalton and uh, Derek Carr. So that's, you know, not great. I mean, Derek Carr could turn it around. That's if he even lasts to me. There's still about five more picks to go. But I think I'm kind of 
pegged into probably having to take a, a quarterback on my turn here, which I wasn't hoping to do. I was really kind of hoping on possibly going another running back wide receiver combo or maybe even trying to take another pick here. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I might risk it. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm waiting to see how this falls down. There are a couple, you know, Teddy Bridgewater could end up being a starter, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles. You know, I, I just don't really want to rely on Andy Dalton, which I have a feeling is going to be the guy that's going to last to me. But I got Baker, Baker touchdown Baker. He'll be all right. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting to see it play out so far. Like I said, I'm really going to be uh, – once the draft wraps up, I really kind of want to jump in and talk about it on one episode for sure. Because, like I said, this is a – a lot of people, all these guys are in the industry just like both of us, and they, they do a lot of work in it. So this has been a very interesting draft. We've seen, as you were just talking about a couple times, you got sniped. Same here. You're, the good players are not going to fall in a draft like this. You're not going to get your you know, your top-end players in round eight and nine because someone falls because like, oh, I'm not so sure. It's going to be a tough draft where all of our rosters, I think, are going to be pretty uh, pretty. I wouldn't say consistent, but they're all going to be, I think, right around the same. You're, you're going to get a, a lot of, I think – records that we're all going to be close to 500s. I don't see any of these teams kind of taking taken off unless there's some trades made after the fact. Because when I was looking at the rosters earlier, most of the rosters seem pretty well balanced out, except for there's a couple of us, and myself included, that have taken quite a few rookie picks. I mean, we're going to have to we're gonna have to hit on our rookie picks, obviously, to make sure our depth kind of lines out with some of you guys who have done the approach that I usually do and taken proven talent over picks, um, which is in case anybody – I don't think I explained it earlier. Actually, our rookie picks for – the 2019 rookies are in the draft as well, so you have to use a draft pick to get that pick. So, you know, I used a draft pick earlier to pick the 1.3. So, yeah, I have to hope that whoever I drafted 1.3 and 1.7 and any other picks I take actually um, produce next year um, and help out my team and my depth. Like uh, like I said, you guys have, you and a lot of other people have taken proven players, which is the route that I usually go. I usually try to avoid rookie picks at all possible because you don't know who's going to fall to you, uh, and you honestly don't know if they're going to be any good at the next level. So that right there will do it for us, guys. I was hoping maybe it would make it to me so I could talk about my, my next two picks on the clock, but it looks like uh, it's kind of stalled here the past couple minutes. So, But we'll definitely talk about that here. Um, in the next coming weeks with the with the way that we've been flying through the draft I imagine probably within the next week or so we'll be done with this so that'll be a fun episode to talk about we'll throw it on same thing at the end of one of our preview shows uh we will be back on Monday with a very interesting guest that I know we are both excited to talk to we're going to be talking to him about the NFL combine um in all honesty guys I'm just let you know right now it's going to be mostly him and, and Dennis talking I'm just going to kind of be asking the questions and sitting back and listening to you guys talk uh, but I'm really excited to get both you guys on and just start talking about these prospects who we're excited to see um, and all this stuff difference between the prospects and thoughts uh, here and there I know like I said you and me have both uh, you're actually the one who introduced me to him on Twitter to talk about prospects and he's been an interesting follow done some really great articles which I'm going to let him kind of promote and prop himself up on when he gets on here on Monday because they've been really good articles I've enjoyed reading them Um, and then obviously before we cut out of here Dennis tell us about your articles and where we can find you on Twitter. You can find me uh, at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, I do a lot of retweeting, a lot of tweeting stuff and sharing, uh, posting the articles, links and whatnot. Uh, I write for dynastynerds.com and just released uh, last week a Dynasty 101 article uh, about sort of some checkpoints on your first offseason in Dynasty. When you make the switch from redraft to Dynasty, it can be a little 
off-putting to figure out how are you supposed to spend the off-season, or as Dynasty Outhouse says, the non-point scoring season. Um, so I kind of laid out a little bit of a roadmap there in that article. And uh, obviously, here on the Fantasy Football Roundtable, right. twice a week. That's right. right. And I would seriously suggest you guys checking out his articles. He does a really good job. Like I said, he really kind of built up a very good following uh, with his Down and Dynasty stuff. He used to put out on uh, FLA really good, well-thought-out articles on different strategies. Um, you know, I've talked about it before. Whether you know you guys like your strategy, you just want to see how other people play because everybody plays Dynasty different. There's always uh, different ways to take different other people's strategies and, imply it to, and implement it into your own strategies uh, to possibly help you win more, and that's what he's doing out there putting out a lot of different strategies and cool things to do with your teams uh, to help you win. So definitely check those out. Uh, Again, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the NFC East and look forward to talking to you all Monday about the Combine. Have a good weekend. Right on. You too. Thank you. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!